0: Welcome to Take Flight, where we give you the marketing and leadership tools you need to take your brand and business to new heights. My name is Sean Sitters, and today we'll be discussing how to understand and develop your team's strengths. One mark of a good leader is knowing how your team operates best and which team member will excel with which tasks. If you're anything like me, you've probably been told about maybe like a dozen different personality strengths assessments, and let's be honest, it's almost impossible to keep track. Today, we'll talk about how you can best go about gathering the right insights and develop your team into the best that they can be individually and as a team. Oh, and did I mention that I have the one and only Malika Began from Begin Development with me? I'll just go ahead and say, you're welcome in advance. Let's jump right in. Hey, everyone. It's Sean Sitters. Super excited to be back on the podcast. We took a little bit of a break there for the summer and so excited to be back with, I think I say this every time, one of my favorite people, but this time I really, really mean it. Malika, so excited to have you.
1: Thanks, Sean. I've been watching you grow this and I'm just honored to be asked.
0: Well, this was probably the easiest invitation. No offense to any previous guests, but for those of you who don't know Malika, and I know a lot of you do, but if you don't, Malika and I connected when I used to live in Los Angeles, and she actually ran the training and development program at a pretty large agency in Los Angeles. And I benefited from being a part of that. Was it an eight or a 10 month program? I think it was. program. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so transformative for me. And it's something I want to implement at our agency down the line. But If I could summarize it in just a few seconds or less, this program allowed for me to develop myself as a leader in really specific and really tangible ways with a small group of other high potential employees within the agency. And I was honored to be, I don't know how I snuck in there, but somehow I I landed in what was called CoLab. And it was so transformative for me and Malika and I have kind of Kept up our relationship over the years, even though I'm now in Dallas and she remains in beautiful Malibu. Lucky you! Excited to um, be talking with you. You're the expert on on all things team development, at least from my perspective and a lot of others. But I, I just to share some context. I'd love for you to hop into what are you up to these days. Both you and I have made some career shifts since then. So tell uh, myself and also all the listeners out there, kind of what you're what you're up to and how that makes you qualified to talk about this subject.
1: I've been doing that leadership development program you just mentioned now for almost a decade, which is wild, thinking about how we really built that grassroots for an agency with less than, I think, 30 people at the time, and then ended up running it in organizations with 100,000 people. It's a small group, though. It's like 12 to 14 people at a time. And that program now called CoLab. Is really branded as the cornerstone leadership development program for high potential or even executive teams that need to come together and unite. So we've had a lot of fun, really. And a lot of people you know have touched that and really turned it into a program uh, that we run often with just amazing success rates, just exactly what you said. It's pretty cool to hear you talk about your experience in it, in it mm. quite a while ago and how the people going through the program are still saying similar things. and. In some ways, I think it's gotten better because we keep learning more. We keep changing it, little tweaks here and there, but it's grown. It's not just that collab program anymore. Now we're running all company trainings and we've got a great 12-month manager training for a lot of companies that don't have centralized support specifically for managers, especially Mm -hmm. new managers. We've got individual contributor programs. My personal favorite programs to run are the vision, mission, and values with executive teams. And especially executive team alignment, that's one of the main things that I'm up to right now, running that with, I used to say, small startup organizations, and now we're working with big public organizations and merging companies and really challenging situations. But I'm enjoying just getting to know different groups. So a lot of, a lot of different things happening.
0: That's so awesome. I know for a, for a fact, like it, it feels so tangible to me, the value of what you do and. And I feel it in my everyday, even now. It's been I was in that program in maybe twenty seventeen, I wanna say, and it's twenty twenty three. And so I guess it's it's not that long, but it feels like it's been forever ago. But I think about that program and I actually still have my binder by the way from that. in my home office, not in a cupboard, like actually out on a desk. I and told so that
1: all the time, Sean. People, like when I go visit them in their office, like bring out their binder or their bag with all of oh, the, the materials in it. So I love to see that where you all have gone after going through that program and how you're still using those tools.
0: Totally. Well, I think that one of the things that really stands out to me about that experience in my career is... It was really this pivot point of experiencing a high amount of self-awareness, number one, but then also number two, how to scale that awareness to other members of my team, just because uh, I was kind of at this point where multiple, many more people than I had ever really experienced were being put under my leadership. And that just continued to be the case as I move forward in my career. And so I think the reason it was so impactful was because it equipped me so well to really be able to analyze and notice strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and and really see that as an individual task for each person on their own, myself included. So how is Sean unique? What are his strengths? What are his weaknesses? How can we optimize that? And then the same applies to every single person who's put under my leadership, whether it be in the position that followed that or in the agency that I now run. It's something that if you ask any of my team members, I talk about, I literally just had a one-on-one right before we're recording this podcast where we were talking about it. So I'd love for you to kind of give us the the 30,000 foot view from your perspective. What do you think strengths-based leadership really means? And why do you think it's so important in businesses today?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this just because my first love, my first certification that I got was as a Gallup strengths finder coach. And seeing a tool that created not just self-awareness, but also a depth of conversations with others, the self-awareness that comes with that growing as an individual. If you are given information, it feels meaningful to you. It helps you talk about and define what you do. And therefore, you get to do more of what you're best at. It creates this full ecosystem of not just getting to do only what we like, but getting to do things that we're uniquely capable of. And then people Mm. feel so thankful that there's all this synergy, like, I'm so glad you did that. I couldn't do that as well as you could. And I've experienced that where I don't think I had really named that. And that's not something I did in college or even my early 20s where I could have said, this is going to be challenging. We're going to need my positivity in this. How can I offer that to the team? One of my top skills is being a maximizer. So we don't have a lot of resources right now. How can I bring that to the team and utilize that right now? Or I'm an includer. We're merging, we're doing a M&A project right now. Like how can I really lean into that? And I think words create worlds and we're all creating companies and projects and working through high stress situations right now. And if we can be more aware of how our words about what we are good at and also identifying what others are good at, we create worlds that are really beneficial, mutually beneficial, where we get the results we want, where we are focused on the right things like building trust, handling conflict better, holding each other accountable, making really great commitments. Because when we don't get the results, and we don't feel like people were valued. And we don't know why that we never really felt like we were utilized well on that project. It creates so many complications, a lot of time wasted, a lot of fractures in relationships. And as you know, as a business owner, we can spend a ton of money and time fixing these things when they hit the blowout point or investing early enough so that they don't actually get there, that we're growing and learning our capabilities. Like human AI machines, we're just getting better faster. So. At Beacon Development, we talk a lot about strengths and we talk about accelerated leadership. You would have gotten there anyway, Sean. This program just pushed you there a little faster so that you would have that extra time while you were building your company to not also be learning all of that. Like how nice is it to have learned that and then built an agency rather than, can you imagine trying to do those two things simultaneously?
0: Definitely. And whenever I think about my current, my current team, and when I started this business, like it just kind of almost snowballed really quickly into this like almost like puddle of influence is kind of the way that I would describe it. And I feel well, one, I still struggle with this, right? I think a lot of business owners, regardless of how much you put into it, it in terms of developing yourself so that you can develop others, it it's still a challenge, right? Because it's such a complex thing. But if I wouldn't have done that hard work. Initially, or been pushed to do that initially, it would be borderline impossible for me to actually help people reach the potential that they have and not only reach their potential, but also have them feel fulfilled in the process, which is kind of this like dichotomy that I always want to really emphasize is like, yes, there's like the business outputs that we want to achieve, but it's only scalable and sustainable to the point to where you actually help people to feel fulfilled in the process. And so, It's really, it's really helpful for me to be able to feel equipped to do that. Um, But it is a challenge in the workplace. I'm sure you, you see that all the time in the, in the businesses that you get to talk to because you have so much more exposure, at least as, as it relates to this conversation.
1: Absolutely. And oftentimes we're being pulled in at really at boiling points when people are in, Mm -hmm. and crisis might be a little dramatic. Sometimes it is a crisis and sometimes it's just a pain point. Like, I, the CEO can't take it anymore. She's like, we got to do something about this. This problem has reached a boiling point. Let's figure this out. Or sometimes it's a, we have a big transition coming and we know that retention might be a problem or that we've got a layoff coming or something big is going to push you to the level of needing to deal with it. So a lot of times we're brought in with a presenting problem like that. But everything we do really does start with the individual, with that mm-hmm. self-awareness of the individual. And only then can it really go to the team or the organization level, because if people don't have self-awareness and tools and working on conflict and communication at an individual level, it's really hard to bring people together to level up as a group without that individual piece.
0: Definitely. Recently, we were kind of discussing internally how we were going to, well, really navigate some changes, some employees turning over for different reasons that were completely unrelated to one another and it just felt like this like heavy weight and the team was kind of like well how are we going to navigate this and i actually thought about this cuz i this this conversation with you was coming up and whenever all of it happened i was able to analyze my remaining team members which was the majority of my team it wasn't like we lost everybody all at once but the majority of my team really looking at them and i've already done the hard work of really understanding them at a pretty, pretty deep level in terms of what are their passion points? What are they really, really excellent at? What do they really struggle with? How do they prefer direction? You know, what are they looking for from me as a CEO? And that differs from person to person. And so just kind of a mini example of what you're talking about. I face crucial conversations and conflict and also just challenges on a daily basis. And most business owners do. And so really being intentional and proactive, I think of developing yourself and developing your team and creating common understanding, I think can be really, really helpful. I'd love to almost use that as a transition point to kind of talk a little bit more tactically about how you might even start that process. Because it can feel to me like a lot of conversations around leadership are a little bit pie in the sky. They're kind of just like, a concept and it's really hard to almost materialize it in a lot of cases. So I'd love for you to kind of walk me through, you know, if you were in that situation and you want to be more intentional, what are some steps that you can that you can take to actually make that happen?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. People are so busy and there's so many real pressing things. I don't think it's that people don't value leadership. Business owners aren't saying to me, I just don't value this right now. They're saying, I value this, but it's on a list of priorities. Like, how Mm -hmm. could I make this a priority above something else? And I think the practical steps of that is where is it in your priority list? And I would say it's a lot more difficult to, well, it's a lot easier in a way. It's harder up front to do what you did, Sean, and say, these are my values. So I'm going to put this as a part of the building of my company Mm -hmm. so that when the challenging times come and they will. I will have a team that can communicate well. We'll be very clear about what we're all doing together. We have very clear systems about how things happen. We're not fragile. We've created things to be anti-fragile so that we can weather this storm. Companies don't always do that. They can't always do that. Sometimes it does have to hit a boiling point and then they hit it and they're like, whoa, this might tank our whole business. We may not be agile enough to pivot into a new business model. We may not survive this merger and acquisition well, like everybody's unhappy. We might spend half a million dollars just on retention or recruiting where actually it would spend maybe a $100,000 on leadership development and be able to retain most of that team whose intellectual property and understanding we actually really need here right now and not at our competitors. So Hmm. I think there's some easy ways. Well, nothing's easy. There are ways to begin. And I think a lot of it from my perspective has to be very diagnostic. My style is to do interviews with everybody first. Every organization is unique and I Hmm. would not feel good about saying, oh, you need our manager program. Oh, people love collab. This would be a great program for you. I think that relationship has to have a lot of trust between me and the CEO and the executive team first to be able to collaboratively build something that is specific and unique for that organization. Because Otherwise, you could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars on a leadership development experience or program that your company actually doesn't really need. It might be a good thing to do and people might feel good about it, but no one knows the heart of the company like the people in it. And if you don't take the time to do that step first before you design and then implement something to win hearts and minds over in your organization, that doesn't happen easily. So I think the steps are, engage somebody, you know, that you trust. Interview quite a few people. Like who do you want to engage in developing this thing that you care so much about? The people, the business, what you are building? And you have to find a real partner to do that who not only believes in your vision but understands what it means to win hearts and minds to a worthy cause. And you have to have a worthy cause. And then what are the steps that are unique for you? And do you feel like you have a partner that can design for that specifically?
0: Definitely. It's it's really challenging to do it alone, speaking from personal experience. <laughs> and, and I know that a lot of people who are in like a little bit more of like a small business context find themselves in a situation where they might need to do it alone. But I can't I can't really think of a better investment than really developing your people and doing so in a really really strategic sense even marketing like you know like I offer marketing services Malika offers leadership development programs I would encourage somebody every day of the week if you are just starting a company and you happen to have a team of 5 to 10 people that are you're starting it with invest in leadership development first come to me for marketing later <laughs> and the reason why is because people drive that entire, the entire success of of whatever that is in a small context and a large context. It just looks different in terms of how you approach it. So I think your recommendation to, well, one, just really hear everybody out. And then two, be highly intentional about customizing the solution for your given scenario makes a lot of sense. What are some of the tools that you use most frequently after you've diagnosed? Are there certain assessments or are there certain tools that you use on a pretty frequent basis that people might be able to at least start researching if they want to take action.
1: Absolutely. I definitely have some favorites. And before I share those, just to build on what you were saying, Sean, I really think leadership development is for anyone at any level of any size organization. So if you have two people and a budget of $100, great. There's so many things you can do out there. There is a top 10 of TED Talks. There are free Event Brights that companies like mine offer every single month, an hour a month, you join and you meet like minded people and you learn something like that costs nothing. It costs your time, but you can take Gallup Strengths Finder, one of my all time favorites, for 50 bucks a person for your full 34 report or 25 bucks for the top five. You can read your report and you can talk with your partner about those things. Like you do not have to have a lot of money to grow. We've got the internet now. It just depends on how much hustle and tenacity you have for learning. And so a lot of the tools we use are sophisticated and expensive if you're implementing them with an entire organization or even just 10 people, like you can break it down. You don't have to spend 500 bucks a month on coaching to grow. And so some of my favorite tools for companies with a lot of money and companies with very tiny budgets really are Gallup. I love StrengthsFinder for individual growth and understanding your growth. I love DISC for team development and understanding how different types of people work. They also came out under Wiley with the five behaviors of a team, which is a build off of Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. They have an assessment that you can take and see, you just learn about this model. And I go back to this model over and over again, that it starts with trust on a team. Then you have to have great conflict on your team, like embrace it and use it as a tool really well then you build commitments with one another. You can hold each other accountable and you can reach your results. So there's actually an assessment for that now, which I think is brilliant. A new one I'm using a ton is called SDI, the Strengths Deployment Inventory. We have Emma and Kai who are leading that for us now. I just took it this last year for the first time and I've done so many of these and I found this one super valuable for me. And then also I've been using it with full executive teams. And you could do a year of development off of this one assessment. It's not just learning what it is. Like with this one company, you learn what it is, you read your results, and then you have a retreat over it. And then you have monthly coaching on just yours. And then the team is coming back together once a month to talk about how what they're learning is affecting their strategic goals together. Like, are they all rowing in the same direction? And what's keeping them from doing that? And what is this report? Share with them about where they're not tapping into their success together because there's some blockers that we've removed and identified through this that are happening on the team in real time and they're seeing great results. So I'm a big fan of this one. I would say
0: those are some of my Mm -hmm. tops. Mm -hmm. You have like 90 other ones in the back of your mind. I'm sure.
1: (laughs) I'm going to pick my favorite top five, but I was thinking those are the top five we have listed on our website, because those are the ones I want to make accessible for individuals and teams, because I think they usually work with great results, but I don't recommend them until I know what's going on with the team because StrengthsFinder And discs get really different results. Mm
0: -hmm. It can be a little bit almost like disorienting, especially if you're like not really used to taking personality assessments or if you're or I don't know if you're supposed to call them personality assessments, but I just did. And or it it could be really difficult if your team's not used to that, too. Uh, you'll get different results from different places. Some people resonate with a certain style, other people resonate with a different style. And so it can feel almost crippling to make a decision on that. Hence the reason why it's so important to have an expert make that recommendation. I would say that it's important to just make a decision though. You know, if if it's between not doing anything and doing something, choose one and execute on that and try to let that guide you because it's certainly better than doing nothing. That would be my my take, uh, and also I'll just layer in one additional one, not to confuse anybody. You mentioned Patrick Lencioni, and he recently released something called Working Genius. If you go and and look that up, just type in Working Genius on Google for anybody who's listening out there. There's a just a really good framework for understanding which part of the process in your business, whether that be the very beginning of the process, whether that be you know sales and or coming up with new ideas and new processes, things that are a little bit earlier on in a process or like bringing things to fruition and actually taking things across the finish line and measuring things and everything in between, this can be a really good tool for you to actually understand, well, which part of the process makes me really excited and which parts am I really great at and which parts am I not so great at and which parts make me feel frustrated. It's been one of the things we've implemented here that's has relatively low barrier to entry that I would just throw into the mix as well. But now we're at six. So
1: (laughs) I mean, that's a really good one. I, I honestly think anything that promotes more open conversation and understanding Mm. of the people on the team, I'm an advocate for like Mm. that. I've done Enneagram well with the team. I've done leadership circle. I've brought in people really, if a team said, this is what we really want. It all comes back to how well do you know yourself? How well are you knowing others? Do people on your team feel valued? Are they being put in positions for success? What, how are you tackling problems together? I think any assessment that sort of dives into deeper conversation hmm. can really help a team, not just bond and know each other better, but get the results. And it takes a lot of time, though. Hmm. And I will say just not a plug to use a professional, but just a plug about how these assessments can also have a, a negative side, too, if they're not ethically like they're not meant to put people in a box. And I always give a disclaimer at the beginning of them that says this is just an algorithm. This isn't like a fortune telling. It's not who you are. It gives you some results. And then we're going to talk about, do you agree with these results? Did they get it? Would you use these words to describe Mm -hmm. yourself? Like you have to give people a chance. It's not, this is who you are. I read your report. It's a, huh, this report came out. What do you think about it, Sean? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with it? Do you feel better understood? Is there something here that informs how you work on our team? Have you seen any of these patterns come up? That's the goldmine. The conversation of how people are interpreting it in relationship to each other and then how they want to strategically use it so that they can be successful, so that the team can feel successful. That's what we're going for here, not to be able to box people in and be like, Hmm. well, in DISC, you're such a D, so that's why you said that. It'd be better not to do the assessment if you're using it just to box people in.
0: Definitely. And that kind of goes back to what you were talking about in regards to like open conversation and It's one of the benefits of using tools like this or programs like this, or just having a more intentional approach about team development and and developing people's strengths, is that whenever you have that open dialogue, one, it can kind of seep into your culture a little bit. It can really encourage outside of a more specific program moment, like where you're actually in the midst of that development. Well, now, two hours later, I'm serving a client and or executing on a project, and I've seen it really seep into other parts of the business because if you engage with it in a formal environment and you make it a part of your culture by doing so, it almost certainly will end up, uh, at least with the team members who should be on your team, as a part of your informal uh, culture and that informal environment. And I'll actually give you an example. When I was going through Colab back in 2017 or 2016 or whenever it was, Um, my manager at the time, we were having a conversation and she gave me some critical feedback. And at the time I was like really off put by it. I'm not going to lie. And I think we had just talked about how to kind of like navigate crucial conversations in collab like that week or something like that. And I was honest with her and I said, I don't think anybody's ever given me critical feedback before. And that's why it's so uncomfortable for me because she was kind of like, why is this so hard for you? And and truthfully, it caused a little bit of friction between us. Well, fast forward six, seven years, and I'm sitting here today and I'm telling you that that relationship with my manager was probably like one of the most impactful relationships to me because of how open the dialogue was. And it was uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. It was uncomfortable. It made me, you know, those butterflies whenever like somebody like tells you that you've done like a really bad job and you're like, if I'm an Enneagram three, so <laughs> that's like really tough for me and And so, anyways, but I think back on that relationship, like, and it was probably the it, it I had the most critical feedback coming from it, but it was, we were the most open with one another. I told her how it made me feel. she told me what I needed to do better, and now I am better because of that, and that still sits with me today. so there I, I think there's real value to what you're saying, which is that like in collab, I was learning about this, and then I literally experienced it thereafter in a more informal capacity, and now six years later, here I am really defining my entire company by that exact strategy.
1: Yes. Oh, man, I love to hear that, Sean. I really, we talk about growth in companies so often, and I got my master's degree last year at the business school at Pepperdine, and it just taught me so much more about business than I even knew. But one of the biggest things was how you shift people into even being open to learning. Like that's even a whole thing. There are really good reasons why people wouldn't want to grow and change. Growth is really disruptive. That relationship with your manager, really challenging, uncomfortable even. But through it, what you're saying is growth came. Not everybody is there or willing to enter that. And not everybody values building an organization with that. But I will forever be an advocate for one of your company's best strategies, like your your advantage could be that you have a growth-oriented company, that Mm -hmm. people are committed to growth at no matter what cost, that they are hustling for self-awareness to be better than they were when they started with your company. Even looking at the data of how people are, are being motivated right now generationally and how people are interviewing differently depending on what age group you're hiring. And people are saying to me like, I don't even understand... This generation, it's like, well, let's look at what they're motivated by. And a lot of the younger workforce rates, growth opportunities as extremely high. Even when they're interviewing with you, they want to know, is there coaching? Is there mentorship? Are there programs? Is there development money? Can I take these classes? Like how will working with you help me grow? Mm -hmm. So even in that very specific, tangible way of recruitment, it becomes a real thing on the table, depending on like, are your people, are you hiring for growth mindset or are you building a company where that's a foundational value? Mm -hmm. And what's it going to take for that to be your cultural and competitive advantage for your company?
0: Well, I'm bought in, but I was biased coming into this conversation. But I hope for anybody who's out there, just as we kind of wind down and summarize kind of some key takeaways, I just hope that you can really see and feel the passion of two business leaders who in their own well one combined and also separate contexts are seeing the real results of developing your team recognizing strengths, taking weaknesses head on and having open and honest dialogue in a way that is systematic and is really strategic and and it really makes a difference and so My hope is that you're able to really take some of these tools and implement them. Malika, how would somebody go about getting in touch with you if they're like, okay, I have no clue how to do this. (laughs) And knowing you're so well-equipped, I just want to make that process seamless for somebody.
1: Yep. They can find all of our things on Begindevelopment.com. Awesome. Or find me at Malika at Begindevelopment.com.
0: And I also recommend connecting with Malika on LinkedIn. She has a lot of great content that's constantly flowing and also some free webinars and events here and there every once in a while. I'm always there. Alec
1: McNair next month. Yeah, we have an incredible network of people. And my team keeps saying, we've got to charge for these things. Why are they free? I'm like, nope, this network is too good Mm -hmm. to not keep offering. And then a newsletter. I would say that's where we're trying to put a lot of our opportunities for free development also.
0: That's awesome. Well, you definitely give generously. And I've really felt that in my professional and personal experience. I just really am grateful for the fact that I can have you as a as a colleague and friend and really just thank you for all the impact that you've made on me as a leader. And I'm excited to watch you continue to do so for thousands of other people. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in again. I hope that it added value for you. Tune in next time. And in the meantime, follow along with us on LinkedIn or by subscribing to this podcast. We'll talk to you soon.